Hello and welcome to a Sideways Life podcast. I am Al. I'm Leanne. And if you've been listening to any of our other podcasts, you'll know by now that two things about us, well, three things. First of all, we like gin. Mm. Secondly, we are married. And thirdly, we have been living and working abroad since 2013. So I think, I always get this wrong, but I think it's 46 countries, 159 stops so far. I think it's 44 countries. But I think if you include like... England, <laughs> that might make forty-five, and if we include Wales, uh, it's a, it's a, it's forty-four. Yeah, okay, yeah. forty-four countries. And so, what we're going to talk about today is something we're deviating a little bit from our previous podcast. Our previous podcasts have been getting in, getting interviews or interviewers, guests. That's the word I'm looking guests. for. Yeah, getting guests in and talking to them about their life. And so, for the next two interviews, it's just us two, Leanne and I. Lucky thing. I know. And so, what we're going to do is we're going to talk first of all about what are the downsides of living abroad. Now, you don't want to bring the bring the mood down, Leanne, do you? No, I don't want to bring the mood down. I don't. There's um, there's still enough in the world to bring our mood down everyone's either on fire or drowning or it's not great but at the same time we're an honest guide to living and working abroad so we need to be honest and tell you the downsides about things um so that's what we're going to do today so we've got a list here um of maybe about sort of eight or nine different things which annoy us or are just a little bit of a mood killer when you are living and working abroad um now again put this in context leanne is saying this is not because we don't want you to live and work abroad we genuinely believe that it's one of the best things that we've ever done without a doubt without a doubt yeah it's really important i think that before you make this decision you understand that there are downsides a lot of people who who we speak to go oh you're very lucky or i wish i could just start again in a different country and i think that's probably the wrong mindset mindset and I'm sorry if that's what you're thinking but when you move abroad uh, there is there is going to be so many more problems to deal with that you can't go across there and expect everything just to be peaches and cream can you absolutely not and I think who was it that said that is, is the more successful you become you don't eradicate your problems you just have better quality problems mm. you said that someone I clever think it was tony robbins oh well there you go someone clever <laughs> but I and I think it's it's just being honest and we're going to go through these things and let's make it clear from the offset, not one of these things for a second even makes us doubt our decision to live and work abroad. But they're challenges that we experience with things we need to come over. They are frustrations. And and as well as talking about them, I'm always I'm always enjoying if you could come with, come with a problem, come with a solution. But as we talk through, we'll maybe talk about as well some of the things that we've done to, to try and overcome these uh, difficulties. Okay, so let's kick off with the first one. So what do you think is the first biggest problem of living and working abroad? I think we should start with what you mentioned there, is that if you're looking to move abroad to change your life or to leave issues behind, that's really not, it's not good. I'm sorry, but it's not going to work out for you. Um, we didn't leave Manchester and our life in Manchester because we weren't happy um, we loved our life there we've said this before we loved our friends we had great jobs um, we had a great flat we love Manchester City we didn't leave because we wanted to leave all that behind something just wasn't right for us it just didn't seem to fit and we thought that we could potentially be happier somewhere else um, we thought we just wanted an adventure nothing's irreversible at the end of the day give it a go if it doesn't work out go home um, so I think the first thing is if you're experiencing difficulties in your life, whether they are relationships, financial, professional, um, then I think the important thing is to try and start to address those before you leave because they're only going to follow you. Yeah, 
Yeah, we've heard us say this before, that sometimes people move around the world, halfway around the world, and realise the only thing that's changed is the view out of their window. I think that's a really, really key thing, is that you want to be open to, you want to be moving abroad to have more have more excitement in your life and have more adventure, not because you're just, you're just sick of how, how your life is and you want this sort of etch-a-sketch of start again. Um, and that's particularly important if you are married. For example, like Leanne and I, we've married 10 years this year, been together about 14 or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and uh, <laughs> can make you sick now by hearing this bird. She is my best mate. And we, no. we spend all, <laughs> I know, and we spend all our time together. Um, now, if we hadn't got such a strong marriage, this would not, well, we would have been, we would have split up and gone our separate ways because yeah. the amount um, of time you have to spend with someone and they have to be your friend, they, they're your, your partner, and then also your emotional. Business coach. Business coach. <laughs> career coach. <laughs> everything. Drink, drinking partner. Yeah. So um, if you are, if you're, I'm trying not to sort of sound like a preachy or anything, but if you are struggling a little bit, then uh, we've seen lots of couples who who think, oh, well, we'll move to a different country. We've met lots of couples in different countries Mm. who've moved to a different country thinking they're going to, um, you know, just sort all all their issues out. And actually the problems that you get when you live in a different country compound and magnify the problems you have, you know, within your marriage or partnership or family absolutely and I think you see a lot of couples who who make big decisions as a way to maybe reconnect or rebuild their relationship or improve on it having a child I think is one that people talk Mm. about a lot Uh, moving house even within your home country changing jobs Um, yeah I think it's just being aware that with any life-changing decision big decision is inevitably going to put strain on all aspects of your life and your relationship is possibly the one that's going to get strained the most yeah so so that's was that number two or was that number one I, I think that was just maybe more framing the yeah. framing the thing but we have actually got an actual kind of more tangible list haven't we so we do should we go through them yeah should we start off then because slightly connected to that um is uh keeping up with your friends and family in your home country yes now I, th- I suppose that as a world, as a world population, recently we have all become, including like our parents and grandparents, have all become much better at keeping up digitally uh, via Zoom, Skype, that yeah. kind of thing. I mean, I think that even now, I like, <laughs> used to think about grandparents on, on Skype and usually the first, the, the first like 10, 15 seconds of the, of the phone call was either the top of their head or looking up their nose as they're <laughs> trying to work out how, to, how it works. Now, I think most people are pretty comfortable with that kind of technology. And that kind of way of talking. Yeah. Um, and so that, so the actual sort of technical aspect of it, of keeping in touch with people, is relatively simple now. Um, you've got things like FaceTime. You've got things like, I mean, if you're of the younger generation, Snapchat. You've got all this kind of stuff where you can just easily send a video. And in fact, WhatsApp, uh, we do that all the time, send videos to yeah. parents and friends and go, hey, we're just having this, hope you're all right. But I think the it's really, really important that you that you do make that effort because... It's almost like if you're gone from, let's say, like we're from the UK. So if we left the UK, then our friends' lives still carry on um, and family lives still carry on. So kind of the, we feel the onus is on us to start a conversation with people who are from our home country mm-hmm. rather than just hoping that, you know, can't believe that these people haven't, haven't even texted us in the last week. You know, well, they've still got lives going on. Yeah. You know? And I think with that as well, it's bearing in mind that when you do go back, if you're visiting, as Al said, that their lives have, have continued going and moved on. So you are going to feel a little bit disconnected and a little bit left out. And I think I definitely struggled with that the most initially. Um, and then realizing that my life has moved on too. 
Um, and it's just finding those things that you still can reconnect over. Um, I think the thing with the pandemic, a lot of people now have experienced, well, everyone has experienced what it's like to be disconnected from your friends and family. Um, you know, even with those more regular digital conversations, it is, it is really difficult. Um, and I think if that's really, if you really, really struggled with that during the last 12 months, and I think that's something that you really need to seriously consider whether you could put yourself through that again voluntarily um, by moving abroad. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's bad enough not be able to leave your house, but if your house happens to be three and a half thousand miles away in a different time zone uh, to everyone else, and, you know, and we've been locked down in different countries where, you know, it, it, where we are thousands of miles away from our friends and family and also stuck in a house in a country that we didn't necessarily want intend to stand that spend that long yeah. time in so so i think that's really important but the key is just for you to make the i think what leanne said there's two things for the key thing is for you to make the effort um secondly is you're going to be sacrificing stuff when you, when you live a life like this and if you go back to episode off the top of my head i think it's 2021 when we speak to paul henning um, he's quite candid about the fact that if he stayed in Guernsey, where he was from, or worked in London, then he probably would have been a couple of more rungs up the corporate ladder. Um, but by living in Gibraltar and southern Spain, where he gets a different quality of life, you have to you have to kind of accept that things might not necessarily professionally, um, you know, your friends might professionally sort of start to overtake you, and that can be difficult. Um, there is another thing that. Um, Luckily, it hasn't really happened to us, but we have. Uh, but, but we've spoken to couples where their friends have resented them going out mm. and living a life like this, and so that's where you get tensions. And they, you know, they don't want to initiate a Skype call with you because they don't want to see you sitting in the sun drinking a beer when they're sat in a rainy flat in Wolverhampton or something. Sorry, Wolverhampton, I just picked you out. Of <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think you're also gonna. You know, as I said, we we never we've been very lucky. We haven't experienced that, um, but we have perhaps seen other people that are perhaps champions a little bit more than others, or mm-hmm. or want to know a lot more about it. Um, and I don't think it's it's not saying anything bad about the people that haven't. I think it's just embracing those people that really do champion you because they're the people that you can talk to and go, "I'm having the shittest day," and they know that you're in a hot country living a great life so you need people that are just going to take that face value and go okay well let's chat about it um so I think the nice thing is you're going to start to see those friends and family that are really behind you and really support you um and those relationships will evolve rather than necessarily change um and I think the next one going on from what Al said is is about work career-wise there's so many different ways to do it so that's really down to you but is is I said about the example of our friend Paul um that's been his trade-off is that his career is taking a little bit longer to build but at the same time he's doing it in a way where his mental health is much better his relationships are much better his home life is better um so you know that's there's, there's always upsides of that as well if you have your own business and you're building that abroad then that brings its own challenges and I think mm-hmm. if you're I mean we can't speak to to building a physical business abroad we've got some some people in our podcast that that have if you look back at uh, Tiki Grove mm-hmm. uh, the Box Hotel there's some really good examples of, of doing that um, but in terms of work what have you noticed has been the impact on your work Al? I think there's two there's two things first of all there's the perception that um, you have to be a little bit careful with a new client um, you know if you say that 
oh yeah, I'll, I'll chat to you. And by the way, I'm living abroad. I remember <laughs> distinctly that we got on the ferry with all our stuff in the back, back of our tiny little C3 back, what, 12 <laughs> years ago? Well, no, sorry, nine years ago. Um, and I remember talking to a new client and saying, yeah, can you send me the deposit for that project? Oh, I've got to go because my ferry's about to leave. And, you know, from luckily she trusted us um, and, uh, and she did that. Hello, Georgia, if you're listening. Um, how, but there is a certain kind of, um, perception that you might need to put forward. So for new clients, it might be worthwhile keeping a UK address, uh, not necessarily disclosing that you're working abroad or living abroad unless you feel like it's the right thing to do. Uh, because some people are just like, oh, I'm not dealing with these. Or or some people just have, you know, particularly after Brexit, a lot of people are saying, oh, buying British. And then if you're living like us, we're living in Croatia, then they might be like, well, I'm not, I'm not working with this guy or this girl who lives abroad. I want to be British and I want to buy all my British. Mm -hmm. So there is that sort of idea, the, the perception which you have to be a bit careful of. Um, in terms of the actual the actual working abroad, I think this, this leads slightly into the next point that I was going to say, which is mm -hmm. it, if you live in a sunny country, if you come from the UK, for example, when the sun comes out, what do you do? You go to a beer garden. Mm -hmm. Where, whereas when it's permanent, like it is here at the moment, it's, it's 34 degrees and sunny every single day, then it's so difficult to get yourself out of the holiday mindset. Yeah. And I think that if you're not careful, then, you know, Tuesday night and you go, oh, well, let's have a few beers in the sun. And then you realize that you've, this is now the ninth day in a row you've sat and had three beers in the sun after work or at three o'clock in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. So there is that aspect to working because you have to be even more. What's the word when I mean when you when when you're very disciplined, disciplined is exactly the word. You have to be even more disciplined um, because when the sun's outside, you have to go and sit inside at your laptop and go and actually work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that gets easier as time goes on, and and ultimately you have to do your job to get paid to continue your lifestyle. So there's that reality of it as well. Um, I think what's worked really well for us is one not being too hard on yourself, mm -hmm. <laughs> taking the pressure off. I think especially over the pandemic as well, that was a big thing that got us through mentally. Was like let's not put too much pressure on ourselves to to get everything perfectly right. Um, and I think as well, it's just making sure that. If you're going to be a bit naughty, mm -hmm. be naughty and enjoy it and embrace mm -hmm. it and then start again the next day and, and like you say, bring that discipline back. I think the worst is when, and I think we've done it a couple of times, where we find ourselves in this weird limbo over summer, which I think most businesses, unless you're in tourism, are quieter over mm -hmm. summer um, and then kind of pick up again in September. It's just recognizing that actually this is a good opportunity for us to have a bit of a break, to mm -hmm. have a bit of a holiday. To go, right, okay, there's there's three things I need to achieve this week. And as long as I do that, it's going to be great. So when you do have those days where you're like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit at my desk today. I am going to sit in the garden with my book. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it. Because if you're just feeling guilty while you're doing it, then it's not productive for anybody. Absolutely. And there is a, <laughs> there is, there's, there's like certain phrase, key phrases that trigger us. <laughs> and one of them is, oh, well, you're always on holiday, aren't you? And it's like, no, we just, we live in a different country. It happens to be hot every day, but we still have to do work. So like Leanne says, I think that a lot of people assume that you're always on holiday, um, but also just do allow yourself some time off. Yeah. Um, we did something, uh, uh, we decided that July and August, we were just going to work half days. Yeah. Um, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, well, we started to just shift our day, didn't we? So we'd start a bit earlier. Um, we start our day a bit earlier in terms of walking the dog or doing our exercise or having breakfast, whatever else. Um, and then we usually have lunch about two, half past two. And the idea was that after that, we're doing fun stuff, like yeah. we're reading or we're podcasting. Mm -hmm. or, um, and I think that's okay. I think you'd make that decision, don't you? Either I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 
use my holiday in inverted commas to just shorten my days mm-hmm. or just take a, yeah, I'm going to take two weeks completely off. Absolutely. Um, and just enjoy it if you do, man. Just enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So what else do you think are some of the downsides of living abroad, Leah? In, term, in practical terms, um, I think the most, the biggest thing I miss from the UK is convenience. Mm. Just convenience. Amazon, being able to order something in the next day, it's there the same day sometimes. Mm. Um, everything's online, everything's digital. Um, you're navigating it in your own language. Um, it's just easy. The convenience is just easy. Um, you can understand the rules a bit more. You know where to go to ask if you need to understand a particular law or guideline. It's um, You just know how to navigate it all. Yeah, and I think the Amazon is a big one because you don't realize. Uh, for example, with us living in Croatia, we've got Amazon.de, which is the German Amazon. Um, and that's like pretty pretty good. It's almost as good as the UK one. However, that not everyone delivers to Croatia. So you end up... Let's say, we silly situation of going i need a decent usb cable and you go well i have to go old school like you did 20 years ago and to go to go, a shop go to a shop to go to <laughs> well, an electrical shop <laughs> yeah. and it's um and it is it's quite it's it, it's that's weird and then there's things like paying your phone bill well um you know our landlord had to go to the shop to change our tariff on the uh, on on the internet we use in the mm. house um, not our internet, on his internet. He had to go to the shop. And it's like, you know, you, you didn't go to the shop. You haven't been to the shop in, for 10 years in the UK. You just go onto your app, you go, blah, 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 and it works. Mm-hmm. Um, things like food delivery, you know, it's a lot of different language, obviously, but also the, the apps aren't as slick. Bureaucracy, you go, you want to go and pay your bill or something. Well, you have to go and queue up at the bank um, and pay your bill on, in, in, you know, in the bank like you did back in the 80s. Um, when we went to get our visa, one of the weird things is we had to go to the police counter to get like some paperwork, then go over to another counter, buy some stamps, for which, which were worth a certain amount of money, not like postage stamps, but some actual sort of tax stamps, add them and then go back to the police counter. And by the time we got to the, we went to buy a stamp, she was closing for 15 minutes, so she'd go for a cig. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's not the same convenience. And that can get you, it sounds quite entitled and privileged this, but Oh, hugely. But I think that's it. we are entitled and privileged. And I think if you are coming from from a Western or you know very country that is very digitally advanced, it is going to be a bit of a shock and a massive frustration. And you have to try and let go and just go with it. Um, but that is much easier said than done, mm-hmm. um, especially when you just need you just need a bit of paperwork or you just need to get. Yeah, it is annoying. It is annoying. It is. So we will come, we're coming up to one of my favorite ones in a minute. Uh, but just now a word from our sponsors. No, only joking. We're never going <laughs> to do that bullshit. Um, so, but I think the next one I want to talk about is, um, around, it's just a ridiculous one, but it's the internet. Um, and there are massive advantages to, uh, to, to living, uh, certainly in Europe, but also we know in Indonesia and Thailand and stuff for having the internet to work because it tends to be that pay-as-you-go package, which um, I don't know, that's just a UK thing, I don't know, but where, you know, where you buy credits and you use your internet that way rather than have a contract. Um, you get so you get really generous packages when you're in Thailand or Indonesia and uh, a lot of Europe as well. And the speed is very, very fast. However, the downside is that most of the home Wi-Fi's, if you live in the UK, potentially the US uh, as well and Canada, um, and Australia and New Zealand, maybe not New Zealand, hello Lorna, um, is that your home Wi-Fi is fast, you know, 60 gigabyte, 
uh, down, 20 gigabyte up, you, you just take it for granted. Whereas you come over to Europe and most home broadbands are like eight megabyte down, 0.5 to two up, which is, uh, by the way, it's all nerd speak, but essentially what it means is that doing things like Zoom or Skype is very difficult. It also means that you, if you have, say, kids, then you can't have three kids on a, I don't even know what the consoles are called these days. I want to say Game Boy, but I think that's probably showing my age, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> on a, on a, on a, on a, on a SNES, is that what they were called back in the day? <laughs> Nintendo Mega Mega Drive something, I don't know. But you can't have like three kids gaming and then uh, someone else browsing the internet and someone else on YouTube and then you want to make a Skype call. You can do that in the UK when you've got decent broadband, you can't over here. So you generally are relying on 4G when you come to uh, Europe's, um, the places we've been, um, and also tends to be the same as Indonesia, Thailand, Vietnam, Laos, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I guess that's the upside, isn't it? Is that 4G typically everywhere, unless you're somewhere very remote, is really good. I mean, Southeast Asia really shocked me for how good the internet was. Like we mm. were, we were on like boats going between Bali and Lombok, which is what about three hour boat ride mm-hmm. in the middle of the ocean, and we've got full bar 4G. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. It's so good, but. And with that, one thing that that um, association that Al found for us was getting a mobile router mm. where you put a local SIM card in it, and then that casts the the signal, basically like having having Wi-Fi. Mm. Um, and that worked really well for us. And there's also a website that you found as well where you can top up credit from various different networks and countries. Called Ding.com. That's D-I-N-G. really good as well, isn't it? Because that's the other thing is if you get if you go and buy it. So what we the, the process we used to do was go and land in a country go to the local kiosk, buy ourselves two or three SIM cards for each of the networks, put them into our mobile router, and just test the speed and see which one's got the best speed Mm -hmm. uh, for where we were particularly. particularly. However, you go, oh, right, so I've now run out of data. So you go to your internet or you go to your phone with your uh, different SIM in it, and it's in the local language. You go, well, what what do I have to press here? And that was really, really confusing. And this ding.com, and I say ding, not bing, D-I-N-G, as in like the sound it makes when you get credit on your phone, ding. Um, and that, you just go in, put your number in, and then you pay with PayPal, for example, and it adds credit to your phone all in English, which, of course, is our native language. Yeah. And so, um, and so it's, you don't have to muck about with like testing, like texting, you know, D-A-N in Croatia to a particular number to get another day's worth of data. The downside of that is there is a small fee that Ding takes, which of course that makes sense because it's a service, um, but we found that to be well, well worth it. In terms of this mobile router, there's lots and lots available now, but we've got one. I don't even know how to say it. We've only ever seen it written down. We call it Hawaii, don't we? Howie? Howie. <laughs> I think it's how, 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 you know the one. You probably. Some scandal about it. Yeah, it's H-A-E-W-E-I or something. It's, I think they're Hawaii? Chinese. Hue. Hua, who are? I don't know. Hua, you know. Anyway, so uh, and that we found was a great little little thing that we've had for about three, four years. Um, fantastic, really good internet. And the best thing is you can pick that up, stick it in your pocket, go and sit in a cafe. Yeah. Um, and then you've got your own Wi-Fi with you, which is not only is reliable but also secure. So you can do your internet banking in a cafe, not having to re- having to mm-hmm. connect to a public network. Anyway, I feel like I've gone on gone on a bit, but that's the internet. <laughs> but I think today's. Day and age, you need internet, I think. You do. You absolutely do. You so, absolutely do. what are we next talking about? Um, so I think we've, I mean, we've touched on this before, I guess, but in terms of, of the language, you're not navigating the world in your own native language unless you are um, talented enough to, to have multiple languages. Um, and that can be tricky. It can be hard to 
even using things like Google Translate, it can be hard to get across the exact message. It can often, I know when, when we have people that translate things for us, it can sound quite direct, a bit mm. aggressive sometimes. And I have, I have no doubt that that's not, they don't mean to do that at all. It's just that direct translations don't often work. There's nuances. Mm. Um, so I guess it's just being mindful that if something comes across in a, in a negative way, it's probably not intended. Um. And I think as well, just those, if you travel quite frequently, um, it's just finding out even those basic things again, please, thank you, two, milk, beer. Um, you do feel a little bit lost sometimes, I guess, a bit insecure, a bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it, and <clears throat> there's also, I don't know whether it's just, it's just us Britishness of saying sorry all the time, but I always feel a bit guilty that I can't speak. Um, you know, I can't, I'm going to someone else's country and expecting them to talk to me mm. or us in our own native language. Now, we are lucky if you are from an English speaking country in the, in Europe, then Germans and Croatians will often speak English to each other. Um, and so that's, we're definitely, we're definitely the sort of common language, which is very, very cool uh, for us. <laughs> um, but there is that. And I think just, just that little thing, like I was in a cafe yesterday um, and I went in and I, uh, and I was like, okay, so how do I ask for another beer? But I want it small. So I learned what Ali, what, what butt was in, um, uh, in Croatian, which is Ali. And I tried it and I clearly messed it up because he said to me in English, so you want another one? And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but, but, you know, then he brought me a beer with a little ice bath because he could tell that he thought I wanted the big one. Well, I did want the big, I wanted the little one because the big one was getting warm in the, in the sun. And, you know, stuff like that. He's just obviously he said, right, he's made a, an effort. He's not just expected me to speak English to him. The other little tip that Leanne and I use all the time is, um, you know, when you, when you go to a waiter or you go to a bar or whatever, you go, do you speak a little English? And that then, first of all, and it's even better if you can learn how to say that in the native language. Mm. Um, but Croatian is very, very difficult for us. I'm sure there's some people who learnt it said it's not, but we found it difficult. But, it, but just that kind of thing. Not only there's that question of two things. First of all, it's being respectful, saying, is it okay if we speak English? And secondly, you're saying, do you speak a little English? And if they speak, if they speak natively, they'll go, of course, yes. And if they don't have much English, they'll say a little. And you're giving them a little bit of out to go, can we try and communicate in, in, you know, in my language, but I'm not expecting it to be perfect. Mm. I think that's, that's a nice little touch. Just do you speak a little English? Um, and then just trying, as Leanne says, just trying to learn. Um, one, of the, one of the phrases we, we learn in most, <laughs> in most languages is uh, two more beers, please. And, yes. <laughs> um, and, uh, but but I mean, stuff like that, I think people accept that you've given it a go. Definitely. And then you'll find the other person that will, you know, want to, to teach you different things or they'll co nicely correct your pronunciation. Um, and it can be really interesting to to learn more about someone else's language and the nuances, it, nuances of it. I think if you're, if you're an expat, then I know when we lived in Spain, we did feel that we needed to learn the language mm. Um, mm. to really try and integrate a bit more. So that was... We were there for years, a little over, so we did take Spanish lessons. And we got to the point where we could navigate general life, mm -hmm. basic conversations, um, more basic in my, in my case. I was very good. Um, but nice things like I could go to the supermarket or I could go to the butchers or the bakeries and ask exactly what I wanted to in, in Spanish. And I think that is, I think it's just really important if you're going to be an expat somewhere, if you're going to spend a significant amount of time, I think it's good to try and learn the language a I little agree. bit. I agree. And, and a lot of, I mean, I'm not saying a lot of languages are similar, but if, for example, in the Balkans, um, which is the former Yugoslavia com countries, um, there's like about out of the six countries, there's four which have got 
generally the this this sort of the the same language. I don't say the same language because that's that could co cause all kind of problems between countries, but there'll be different dialects of the similar, very similar language. Yeah. Um and out of those those other two then Slovenian is quite different but still same root and Macedonian is totally different, I think, as far as I can work out. Um so I think that also brings us on onto a nice little one which I said be patient. Um just be patient with yourself. Um don't get frustrated that you can't speak the language straight away. Um but don't don't be frustrated that when you ask for something and you think you're getting some fish and they bring you a bit of lamb, then it's just it's your fault because you you know you've asked for something and clearly not you've not asked it in the right way. So just roll with it. Just be you know oh right well, I'm eating lamb for lunch rather than fish I thought I was going to get. Um, mm -hmm. And I think there's something like that is just being patient with yourself and patient with others and not expecting it to be perfect. And and I'm sure listener you would not do this because you're not that kind of person. But don't go abroad. And then just get really annoyed when someone doesn't speak English or speak very loudly in English, and it's just it makes you cringe. Yeah, and not don't take it too seriously. Laugh at yourself. We've made so many mistakes. We were just chatting the other day actually about how we when we were in Spain, um, and we had a handyman come round, and it was a really really hot day. Um, and what did I say? I said "ay caliente," which basically means I'm sexy, and he was like, "Uh." <laughs> I meant to say I'm hot, but you say I color, which is I have I have heat or something like that. I have warmth. It's it's just there are sort of nuances, but it's just laughing about it. You know, I think we've told a story before where Al was in the police office, police station, asked, said that he was waiting for his meatballs instead of his <laughs> lawyer. Um, we were chatting to our Slovenian friend Igor, and he said he went over to New York and went into a cafe and asked for a cock. <laughs> he wanted a coke, and it's just things like that. It's just laughing at yourself and not taking it too seriously. Absolutely. As long as you don't offend anybody, take that seriously. But even then, I think that, you know, I, I remember there was, a, there was a lady who we met um, who was English, but she spoke amazing Spanish, been there for a long time. And for her birthday, I think I wanted to send um, happy birthday, dear, or something, or nice lady in, uh, in, in Spanish, did a direct translation, and basically said, happy birthday, you whore. Um, <laughs> and and she, she understood that I was, wow. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so just be a little bit careful with the language, um, and uh, and I think that I think that sort of sums up that section. Um, I just want to talk very quickly about laws, which um, is very boring. But if you're if you're drive, for example, if you go to Spain and you spend more than three months there, then you should have a Spanish license, I believe. You certainly should register. You should put your car on Spanish plates if you're there for a normal certain period of time. Um, there's all these kind of little laws. So rather than go through each country and tell you what I think the, the laws are, even they're going to be blatantly wrong, um, just do be aware of the local laws and make sure that you abide by them. Anyway. Yeah, especially if you're driving as well. I think if you have a car, like I said with the, even if you're just passing through, it's knowing what, I think is it in France, you're meant to carry a um, breathalyzer. Mm. You're meant to have like the triangles, like the breakdown kits. Mm. Um, in Croatia, you have to, and Slovenia, you have to drive with your um, your headlights on all the time. Mm. Um, it's just things like that. It's just making sure you understand the rules. And where was it? Where on roundabouts, the people coming onto Albania. the roundabout have right of way. So if you're on a roundabout and someone's coming onto the roundabout, you have to stop while you're on the roundabout to let them out. <laughs> it's like what? But not knowing that, I mean, we would have we would have crashed. Yeah, we almost crashed knowing that. 
<laughs> Albania is a challenging place to, to drive. And then other, but there's other things like in Spain, uh, you've got a two, this is going to get really dull now, but you've got a two lane roundabout. And then the outside, that the inside lane of the roundabout, with the outside lane, the, the one that's furthest out, um, is for people going all the way around. Whereas in the UK, your outside one is for people going straight across. Your yeah. inside ones are going all the way around. And so quite often you'll be on the inside roundabout about to take a junction and a big truck will come right in front of yeah. you. Um, so yeah, just be aware of that. Um, okay, so do you want to tackle the cooking, eating out, cooking? Yeah, I think that's one of my favourite things about being abroad anyway is, is, is learning about the local food and dishes and where they come from and how they're made and trying new things. Um, but then, of course, there's going to be things that when you travel a lot, you, you enjoy a lot of different types of food. Um, and that can be hard to either find in terms of places to go out um, or even cook at home yourself. So, for example, in the Balkans, uh, it's getting much, much better than it was. But when we first came here, maybe three, four years ago, finding any kind of like Asian um, ingredients was really, really difficult. Um, so yeah, and it sounds like such a silly thing, but you know, particularly if you're trying to eat well or you have dietary requirements, if you're gluten free, if you're lactose intolerant, um, it's just being mindful of those things that they, it can be a bit more difficult, not always. And each place seems to have things that they do really well. Like Spain, for example, in terms of like gluten free mm -hmm. is one of the best places ever. Um, whereas if you are in the Balkans, um, I guess it's just also knowing where to look. So if you're on like, um, if you have a like particular dietary requirement, such as no, no lactose or gluten, you're probably not going to find those in the supermarket, but you will find them in the chemists. Mm. Like places like your boots, retailers, are going to have a lot more um, things like that. So it's knowing where to look as well. Um, the same they'll have um, often in shopping malls, they'll have some kind of, you know, like the, what's it, Holland and Barrett type yeah, shop. Yeah. That will have stuff like that, but then we'll also have your gluten-free, your lactose-free, whatever else. And then they'll also tend to have more like Asian ingredients I've found there. Mm. Or yeah, it's just it's just knowing where to look, I guess. But in your general supermarkets, you're not. But yeah, fine. There's a there's a store called DM, which is basically like boots. Um, they have loads of stuff in there. Um, and then yeah, just little more like boutique shops. I think that was quite a big surprise coming from the uk is you go to a supermarket and you imagine if you're in the sorry if you're not from the uk but if you're listening to this but you might be the same in your country and you go to a supermarket and you can go in there and buy anything from sort of um some a lego toy um to uh, paracetamol uh, to cabbage um to shampoo to makeup whereas you tend to come in in europe apart from the sort of hypermarkets of france and and the like then you tends to be a supermarket has got food if you want even just paracetamol, you don't go to the supermarket, you go to the chemist or the pharmacy. Yeah. Um, if you want, um, you know, you want toys, you go to a toy shop. We're quite kind of traditional. And I guess that's the nice thing as well, isn't it? Is, and what we particularly liked about Spain, particularly when we got more confident with the language, was doing that more kind of traditional shopping. You go to the butchers for your meat, you go to the, the cheese shop for your cheese you go to the bakery for your bread you go to, and it is just that more village shopping I guess which I think is growing and has certainly had a resurgence since the pandemic as well and support local and that type of thing but of course when you're abroad you don't know the language particularly small shops they might not be able to speak English as, as well as in, in bigger shops it's just an added challenge and that's fine when you've got a Saturday morning and you just want to have a mooch around but when you're busy with work you just want to go to the shop and get whatever it is you need that becomes a frustration. Um, and again, it comes back to the convenience. But I think you just, 
you learn to navigate where you are. The Facebook groups are brilliant if you are, particularly if you have a dietary requirement and you need to find things. Look at the local expat or digital nomad group for that country and they will tell you exactly where to where to find stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so the last one from me before Leanne closes us off, I think the biggest thing here is um, sort of related to what Leanne was just saying, it's, uh, it's to lose the ego. Um, the difficulty is that if you're going abroad and, you don't, and you're trying the language out, then you, you're going to say something, you're going to say silly things like we've talked about before, but you're also, um, also going give to give the language a go and you're going to get it wrong. And I think this is one of the biggest things when we first started in, in Spain, with the first maybe 18 months, we wouldn't, we wouldn't give the language a go because we're worried about getting it wrong. And then there's also something, there's also something which didn't occur to us was we'd say something in Spanish and they would repeat it back to us in Spanish. And we thought they were correcting us, but actually they were just confirming that's what we said. And if you think about English, you know, if someone comes across from a different country and says, can I have a pint of beer? <laughs> pint of beer, <laughs> who's going to ask for a pint of beer? Can I have a pint of lager, please? Um, and the barman goes, pint of lager? That's just natural conversation. That's the way the conversation goes. It's not the landlord or the or the um, or the barman going. I'm going to correct the way you speak. So I think there's that sort of like aspect of it. Um, but also there's things like you are going to get occasionally ripped off in Prague. Um, trying to get my head around the the currency in Prague, which I think is the krona. I can't remember what it is in Prague. But anyway, it's, um, uh, there's a currency in Prague, and it's like when you move from country to country quite regularly, you're like, oh, well, how, how much is this worth? And I went and bought a can of beer that I ended up coming back and realizing I just paid, paid it £11 for this can of lager when it should be in Prague. It should be about 50p. Um, but, of course, you, you are going to get ripped off occasionally, but the majority of people are good, so don't be scared. Don't let that put you off. Um, and uh, and just, just lose that ego. Have a go. Don't worry about being wrong. That's what I would say on that yeah definitely definitely i think you need to just embrace the uncomfortableness of it all (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. so closing thoughts leanne i think the the only other thing that i think we have experienced at either similar times or different times is the strain that living and working abroad can have on your well-being and your mental health um, and you know what? It's true of anywhere, whether you live in your native country, um, everyone, I think mental health is becoming, thankfully, finally, um, a topic that people are talking about more. Um, and I think if you have experienced mental health difficulties before, um, I had in the UK, I used to suffer with anxiety and panic attacks. Um, if you then move abroad, just being aware that you need to find new coping mechanisms or different coping mechanisms. Um, you know, that social support aspect, as we've talked about, is going to change quite significantly. Access to medical professionals is going to be more difficult. And then you also have to bear in mind the perception of mental health in the countries you're going to. Um, if you look back a few episodes ago, we spoke to expat Pat, who lives in South Korea, and we had quite an interesting conversation there about about what mental health is is perceived as in in that part of the world. Um, so I think it's being being mindful of that. If you are on any kind of medica- medication, I think it's really important that you figure out how you're going to continue to get access to that while you're away. Um, because yeah, it's it's important. And I think in in terms of your own coping mechanisms, making sure that you keep them up so whether it be um you know maintaining some kind of physical exercise eating well making sure you sleep well and this sounds so bougie and ridiculous but the house we're in now 
the the mattress was quite hard, like hard enough to the point where neither of us were sleeping well at mm-hmm. night at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did go out and spend a bit of money on a decent mattress topper. Um, and that made such a difference. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you can do that if you're backpacking around the world. But it's just being mindful that if you are on a budget and you're picking places, it's just always bear in mind, well, what is the sleeping situation going to be like? Because if you go for a long time without getting much sleep, that's really going to impact you. Um, I think other things as well is just finding hobbies, finding outlets, making sure you can still do that, whether it be reading, cooking. Um, I think it's, yeah. And the other great thing I think that has happened over the last few years, and particularly through the pandemic, is there are now so much more support online. Um, having a remote therapist is not unusual um, at all. Um, so I think there is a, now a lot more support. But I think if you have suffered with mental health difficulties before, um, and even if you haven't, just being aware ahead of that time of how you might cope should you start to experience some challenges. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think what is nice is that um, I think over the last five years, mental health has definitely been a come to the forefront mm-hmm. during the pandemic. It's massive. You know, people, Leanne's a psychologist, so this is basically she, she does this for a living. Um, and uh, and also with men, I think men are feeling a bit more like they can be a little bit more open about yeah. mental health, which is fantastic. And um, it's, it's not all peaches and cream. This is um, this this is going to be tough. It's going to be tough to live abroad. There's going to be lots of challenges and you're not going to have the support network you have or you're unlikely to have the support network you have um, in your home country. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't ignore it. Um, and, yeah, just seek help when you can. Okay, do you think we've covered it, Leah? I think so. And hopefully we've given you some, some solutions there as well. Um, if there's a particular question that you have about living and working abroad or a challenge that you've experienced, um, Get in touch. Mm. We've, um, we're loving seeing all of our, our listeners um, grow, which is really flattering. Thank you very much. Um, but also from all over the world that, that you are. Uh, Fiji, New Zealand, um, Canada. Uh, where else have we had a surge of listeners from? India, South Korea. India, yeah. yeah. South Korea. UK. And of course, the UK. Of course. So, um, so yeah, get in touch with us. You can find us on all the socials at Our Sideways Life. So that's Instagram, TikTok, although we still don't know how to use that. Um, but, uh, yeah, Instagram's probably the easiest. Just go to Instagram, DM us there, or just go to asidewayslife.com, and you should see a contact us page there. Or, in fact, asidewayslife at gmail.com. Yeah, that works too. Just tell us, because uh, we do really want to hear your questions and what's concerning you about moving abroad. Um, and, by the way, Andy, if you're listening, Professor, I, I know that you have a question that we've not addressed yet about moving abroad with a family we are looking for a good guest for that yes um but um yeah we want to hear this we want we want to write stuff we want to create content that's going to help you to take that step and live and work abroad absolutely so get in touch let us know what you'd like to to hear on upcoming episodes and we'll make it happen you have that power you do (laughs) use it responsibly okay next episode is going to be a little bit of a nervous one for us because we're going to be I hate that phrase, opening the kimono or whatever it's called, where they say a peek behind the curtain. I hate all that. Uh, but basically what we're going to oh, do is... Oh, I feel a bit sick. Basically what we're going to do is just talk about um, how much it costs for us to live in Croatia, what kind of house we live in, uh, what we do with our day, how we earn money, etc., etc. And this has come from a lot of people asking us, you know, how do you live this, this life? Um, and uh, people thinking we're millionaires and we're absolutely not. So, uh, yes, that's going to be a nervous one for us to record, but look out for that next time. And in the meantime, shall we call it a day? I think we should. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.
Hey, Leah, you know how we normally do a little bit of an end sort of outtake stroke funny bit at the end? Yeah. I can't think of one this week, can you? No. Let's leave it. Okay. Okay.